Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber on the far left. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. We got... We are in purgatory rolling in, folks. It's bad. Stevie Wonder coming in. The White Sox lose again. 5-3 to to the Kansas City Royals. And fall two, get this, and this isn't for the first time this year, 500. For the 21st time this year. The 21st time (laughs) your Chicago White Sox are at 500. Another great... Game by Dylan Cease and uh, another bad game by the offense. Where do we want to start today, guys? I want to start with just getting the good out. Dylan Cease, 14th time he's gone to the bump consecutively, has given up one run, earned run, or less. That is an MLB record. He is having a phenomenal season where he's an elite pitcher. I love Dylan Cease. He gives his team more than a chance to win. He only gives up one earned run each time he's out there. This is what the sixth loss that Dylan Cease has suffered or the White Sox have suffered while Dylan Cease has pitched. Every other White Sox pitcher is 11 games under 500. I mean, every other, whatever other White Sox starter starts, they're 11 games under 500. Dylan Cease gives them more than a chance to win every single game that he takes the bump. He's phenomenal. Sean Anderson predicted the home run by Vinny Pascantino hey. before the game. We knew. And I said, that's going to be his only earned run of the game. And it damn well turned out to be. And we knew that they were going to go score against Zach Effin Grinky. This man has started 19 games this year. 19. Three of those games were the White Sox. Six and a third today, his longest outing of the year. Six innings and three earned runs, his second longest outing of the year versus the White Sox. And then five and two thirds with two earned runs. So he came up a, thir- a, a third of an inning short of three quality starts versus the White Sox the whole season where he's d- done only that versus the other teams in the major leagues three times. So he's dominated the White Sox and every other team in the major leagues are like, this is nothing. We're, we're eating. So, yeah, I'm pissed. But I wanted to give Dylan Cease his credit before we forget about all this stuff because this team just fucking sucks. Well, it, it's <laughs> that's they, true. Like, like, it's not even that they're <laughs> – it's not that they're bad, because we know they're not necessarily bad, but they're playing as such, right. and they suck. And they, I don't, and to say they don't care is, I don't know their hearts, but they play as if they don't care. And there's definitely certain moments in this game that sticks out to us in that, and we'll get to it a little bit later on. I think we should keep it up with the positive stuff because we'll talk a little bit more about Dylan Cease because we have to. It's historic, right? Uh, Not only is he the best player in the White Sox, but he's doing historical things. Vinny, do you want to name something nice that happened in today's game? Hmm. 
Uh, there were a couple of home runs. There you go. I'll, I'll give credit to Yasmani Grandal. I mean, Yasmani Grandal was all right today, right? I was all annoyed in the pregame about him slapping singles left and right. He had two hits uh, coming into the eighth inning, and then he hits a ball that goes uh, 102 miles per hour uh, at a 32-degree launch angle. He gets his first barrel in what feels like months. So, hey, maybe Yasmani Grandal is able to turn it around, uh, and Andrew Vaughn hit a home run which was good. Uh, but 12 singles for the White Sox. That's a lot. Today's That's game. like Motown-esque. Yeah. Focusing on the singles. <laughs> it's all singles. Only three albums, though. I'd like more albums. I'd like more complete works um, from the White Sox. we got a couple super chats here. Uh, first up from Kai. He says, start us on a good note before we bash the Sox. What has been each of your favorite moments with the Sox this year? Uh, Herb, you want to start? I can't even think about a good moment with the White Sox. I mean, I'm sure there have been, but right There's now... There's been one moment, my I think. head is so swimming in anger. Don't be about mad. This t- I, I can't Don't be. Mad. I'm, be I'm, happy. I'm, st- I'm still a fan, <laughs> and I know i still got 50 more fucking games to watch this <laughs> shitty team that might win and have that fake rally and challenge the Guardians for this division. See, that's what I... I just want the Guardians just to... Right now, they're three and a half games up. I wanted to make it 12 games up. Just, Bobby em, just embarrass the White Sox. Into change. I hope a lot of people leave after this season. That's silly. I don't know. It's not silly. I don't think the... I don't think... I don't think your hope for the end is silly. Yeah, but I, I think it's silly to, to say think, that you want the team to do bad. I do. <laughs> because I know that's the only way you're going to have change. If... But here's I, the thing. I can't I think have regardless, this anymore. Regardless of something completely unexpected right now, they are going to disappoint. They are going to move backwards. Oh, yeah. And so that right there would figure to be impetus enough. I would be on a regular functioning organization, yes. We would have already had a firing of two or three people on a regular functioning organization. But nothing changes. That's the, the well, frustration that of, that, that of most White Sox fans where they're just like, okay, we're just doing the same things, and then we're not doing anything about those same things because the same things are keep on happening. I don't, like I said before, I don't necessarily need a pound of flesh, but I don't know. Something has to be out there for the fans because we're watching these games all the times, and we're just saying, okay, they don't understand that bases are loaded. You don't need a home run. Soft single to right field. Put bat on ball. Sacrifice fly. Every time. Or just out, don't, out, sw- out, don't swing out. at the ball that's clearly a ball. Exactly. <laughs> and they're not doing the things that are necessary to win games right now. And I don't know if Jerry feels that way. I don't know if Rick Hahn feels that way. But their actions are showing that everything's fine. And that these guys will just eventually wake up. And they'll be the players that they are. That's not happening. We've been, what, 100 and almost 20 games now. So I just want this nightmare to end. Well, I think there's a lot of different things that we'll get into a little bit later about the offense and how this team has been disappointing us. Trying to go back to what Kai said, though, favorite moments, because I agree with you, Herb. Like, something needs to change. And if they finish out strong, right, they'll say, we finished out strong. You know, they played to the back of the baseball card. And I think that you're right that no change will happen. If they don't finish out strong, I think change will happen because of that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The moment you were thinking of. There's one moment. There's T.A. homering in New York. Yes. That's the moment. And uh, I, I think that, uh, that, that felt, that felt kind of seismic at the time. Not necessarily for where the team was going in the season because, you know, their record was still what it was then too. But um, it just felt like a big moment in, in his 
personal history. It was a it was a moment for what had happened earlier in the weekend, obviously uh, with with Josh Donaldson, and you know it really it really was one of those moments, and he's had a few of them now over the course of his career that really put him front and center in the minds of baseball fans. If you're looking for a performance, obviously, my God, Dylan Cease has been fantastic. Right. Um, but I think uh, if you're talking moments, that uh, that TA home run in New York was probably the one that the White Sox can pick from this year. And even the Dylan Cease thing, like, I mean, Cease hasn't had really that game that has stuck out to us and really, you know, wowed us. I mean, even today, even going six innings. I mean, like, that's one thing that he hasn't been able to do is go late into a game and eat a bullpen day like Johnny Cueto did, you know, in Texas where he pitches all eight innings and the White Sox don't have to use a bullpen arm. Like, Dylan hasn't been that level of dominance. So we even haven't gotten, like, a singular moment, I feel like, from him. Um, TA's moment clearly sticks out. But outside of that, I don't think there is one for this team, uh, unfortunately. And that's what you get for a 56 and 56 club. Walk-off uh, wild pitch from a few weeks back. Walk-off wild pitch. There's Jake Luis Bird. Roberts' grand slam in Minnesota kind of jumps to mind, but then – it was immediately followed by right. him going on the injured list. Right. It was immediately <laughs> followed by the weirdest injury yeah. in White Sox mm-hmm. history. I mean, so personally for me, I guess being in San Francisco when Lurie Garcia uh, gets the <laughs> RBI single and the Sox go up in the ninth inning, I think it was one to nothing. We were all there cheering, having a good time in San Francisco. That was the best moment of the season for me. There you go. Uh, we got more from Stefan Bardo, Super Chat. Uh, this team is the 2020 Bulls bad. Need to clean house. One of the core players will be moved, and Tony needs to go. No words for this team anymore. Um, I don't know if Tony's going to go. Uh, it feels like he's got one more year on his contract. I don't think that any leaning from the front office is saying that Tony's going to be taken care of or, or let go of his position after this year. And the core players, you look at Mancata, Grandal, Abreu, Robert, Jimenez, Anderson, seems like it will be probably impossible or near impossible to trade Grandal on his contract. Correct. Seems like it would be tough to near impossible to trade Mancata's contract. Correct. Jimenez hasn't really lived up to his contract. I don't know if he would be getting the return I think Sox fans would hope because of his contract. Robert seems pretty tough to trade. Abreu might just retire before you can even trade him. And then that leaves Tim Anderson. Well, it leaves Andrew Vaughn is who it leaves, I would say. Well, the core six I was going off. Oh, sure. I mean, personally, after watching what he's done this year, unless he is totally gassed and chooses to be done, I would figure that if Abreu wants to play next year, he'll be on the White Sox. Yes. Um, but Randall and Mancata seem like locks to be yeah, on the team. Yeah, just because of the, the, the years that they had, uh, yeah, and the amount of money that they're going to be paid. I don't think, though, that whoever that was that made that super chat comment, Stefan, I believe, um, I don't think that, that you can take that off the table, though. And, and it, it, for me, that would have been crazy to say when we started this season, but. You look at some of the things that they need, and they're gonna. They don't have much else, many other ways to get those things. You right. know what I mean? They can go out there and buy a uh, a right fielder or buy a second baseman with with in free agency. But do they need? A, a, I I don't think they would ever shake things up to for, because they think they need a shakeup, an, an, an that uh, you know a non-specific shakeup, right? I don't think they would ever do that. Um, but I do think that you can't take any move off the table. I don't think there would be any untouchables moving forward. Again, which if I had said that at the beginning of the season, I would have said that I was crazy because right. it seems like they built this exact core that they wanted. Here they go. They got it. Throw them out there and let them play. 
There's a, there are some excuses that you could use, obviously. Almost every one of those guys you mentioned has been hurt for uh, 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 and not some insignificant period, period yeah. of time this season. But uh, it, it does seem like, you know, they are going to have to go in to 2023 if the final month and a half of the season kind of continues along this flat line that we've been talking about. Uh, they're going to need to do something to make their chances better going into next year because I think they would be right in saying, well, you can't expect – 2022 to repeat itself these guys are better than they were in 2022 but you also can't count on that because they counted on this group this year and almost every one of them to a man with the exception uh notably of Abreu and a couple other guys in in certain to certain degrees uh have not have not lived up to it uh you do not you do not fire somebody just to fire somebody you do not trade somebody just to trade somebody but when you're a team that had expectations up here and you finish here so far short of them, so far looking like you're even capable of reaching them, which has been right. the description for most of this year, uh, you have to do something to put yourself in a better position for next year. And that might end up being any number of those things. And the White Sox are just disappointing. And I think it starts from the top down. I'm not even talking about the organization. I'm talking about the leader. And I know I'm not supposed to talk about Jose Abreu like this, but hell, he strikes out late in the game, I think in the ninth inning. Mm -hmm. Drop third. Run. After Andrew Vaughn hits a homer. Run. Your getting to first base is key. The next guy can hit a home run. We're tied up. We saw that against the White Sox, where another team, whether I think it's Texas Rangers, ran after a drop third, and he made it because he forced the bad throw. Run. We saw that from Luis Robert out of the box, hits a ball to second base, drags his head, kind of jogs out of the box. Then he sees Mike Massey fumble the ball. Then he starts running. Hustle. There again, we struggle with the hustle. If your leader's not hustling and then your, uh, your organization initially says, hey, guys, 75% because you're all hurt. That is a bad, slippery slope that you set the precedent for that time. And now, I don't know the last time they did that where they're just running out of the box initially when they see a ball hit the dirt after they had swung the ball, swung at the bat. Um, it just is so frustrating with this team. I don't know if that's Jose's fault 100% or he's been given permission not to run. Whoa. Because – we just keep on seeing this time and time again, and I'm expecting somebody after the game to say, we got to have this. Or to say in the, in the, in the post-game press conference to well. somebody, or just quietly say to Jose, hey, man, I need for you to run on drop thirds. You are the leader. I'm going hard on you specifically, you, Tim, specifically, because you guys are the leaders. And if you guys want that mantle of being a leader, then you guys have to take the responsibility of doing all the things right. And that is part of the game, running on drop thirds. And this team specifically doesn't do it. And if you're not going to hit home runs, as Steve Stone says, then you got to do all the other things correct on offense. When you hit those singles, you got to hit those singles when guys are in running and scoring position. If you're going to just be a singles team, you have to execute when you have runners in scoring position. Or when you have bases loaded, you have to execute. Hit the ball in the fucking air to, for a sacrifice fly. Something has to change where they're actually held accountable for their lack of action, too. And that's not changing either. You cannot, I mean, if you're not hitting home runs, which now they have 98 on the season, 98. Through 100 and what, 15 games? 112. 112 games, 98 damn home runs. If you're not going to be powering the ball out of the, off the 
out of the ballpark, then you have to do other things right to score runs, and they don't do that. They're winning on they're winning on the margins, and we know hustle's not part of that margins. Well, and you mentioned too. I mean, Tim Anderson like is not a, a guy that's uh, you know being hidden from this criticism too because there was a final out a couple months ago where he's yeah. not running um, on a drop third strike that could have kept the game alive. Even on the Luis Robert thing, there was some comment, I forget who made it while we were watching the game. It's like, isn't Luis Robert faster than that? It's yeah. just like, what? where is the hustle? Where is the passion? And you're talking about guys calling out people in the post-game conference, press conference. Hey, maybe Johnny Cueto did that yesterday. We were all confused on if it was actually him saying this team's not playing with fire or not. Johnny Cueto made a little comment. Let's go to those comments, Stephen, if we can. Uh, these are from uh, the Chicago Sun-Times and Daryl Vitzgowan, who's out in Kansas City. Um, what Johnny Cueto said after yesterday's game, we need to fight. We need to show the fire that we have if we have any. And what Tony LaRusso said, you go to the first one, uh, Stephen, I think it's a curious statement. Um, it's better to be discussed within the family. If there's a problem, we'll straighten it out. I heard that he said that, and I was surprised he said that. His opinion is welcome, and it also carries weight. The guy is experienced. I'll ask him about it, and then we'll go to the next uh, one. His quote continues, and he continues by saying, uh, play that was made by the second baseman in shortstop yesterday. Um, how does that play happen? They weren't fired up. And then asked why he was surprised by what Cueto said. La Russa paused at length and chose his words carefully. I'm not sure how to answer that without... He's a veteran. We all respect him, and he's someone to be listened to, but it's surprising for usually that's better said in the clubhouse in front of your teammates. That way it can be discussed. Take care of it inside the family. That's how we should all handle it. You're always going to have issues and problems. Handle it like a family. Um, and then uh, he ended up going on and continuing and saying uh, that – uh, right here, it's not even a switch that needs to be turned on. The switch is on. Otherwise, the game wouldn't be closer and we wouldn't be where we are. But for things to come together and get hot, that's what we need to do. Get some good momentum with guys feeling good at the plate. We've got some, we've got, uh, we've made some errors, but we've uh, made a lot of plays too. If you watch us play, you'll see we'll make an error here or there, but we'll also see a play uh, that has a lot of good defense. So there's that, and the pitching is there. We're in a position to get hot and talk is cheap. And hey, they were in another close game again, but what's the difference? You see Bobby Witt running hard and, and running fast. You see their ability to hit in situations, the Royals, and you see their ability to come in and pitch well. I mean, Jose Ruiz didn't pitch all that well coming out of the bullpen. Zach Granke was able to give them length. Dylan Cease wasn't able to do that, although he's been really, truly phenomenal. And you say going out and calling out your teammates, well, Johnny Cueto tried to do that. Johnny Cueto tried to be a leader, and Tony's like, oh, well, we're not doing it that way. So I don't know how the White Sox truly want their team to operate. I don't know if they want them to hustle like you're saying or, or you're looking for them to in, in certain moments. I don't know if they want a leader to truly step up or if they want it to be Kenny Williams talking to the team in the clubhouse I'm not sure I, I have no idea what this team is trying to achieve or they're trying to get it feels like they want to win in a very 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 specific way and that's why they're 56 and 56 and Tony's not fully wrong in that quote there are a lot of close games but you have been losing a lot of those close games recently and your one win or your uh, your win to loss ratio ratio in one run games it was very good in the start of the season now i'm pretty sure you're 13 and 14 when you're playing that close of games your luck's going to run out you can't just be fighting nail and tooth here in every single game trying to pull out a victory from the jaws of life like it just doesn't feel like there's that extra effort to even put the White Sox on a major league playing field. It is 
it is very... I, I think you're absolutely right in pointing out that what Tony said is not wrong. What Tony said is not wrong. They've made some really bad defensive mistakes, played some okay defense at other times too. The pitching's been great. What didn't he say? The offense's been terrible. I mean, it's right. been good in certain aspects. They get a lot. They hit a lot of singles, but they can't score any runs. And the fact of the matter is that this team was not built to win by luck, like that you just pointed out. This team was not built to win on the margins, as you keep saying, Herb. This team was not built to win one-run games. This team was built to hit a hell of a lot of home runs. Right. They weren't <laughs> supposed to play grindy baseball. They weren't no. supposed to be able to have to be a great base running team. They weren't supposed to have to be right. a great defensive team. They weren't supposed to have to be a great situational singles hitting sack fly team. They were supposed to hit the shit out of the ball right. and hit it hard and far. And that's why Rick Hahn not only said that in at the trade deadline, right, when when you know we asked him to diagnose the offense, what needs to happen, need to hit more home runs, you know, right. he's not wrong. He said that in November at the right. GM meetings when we go, oh, what happened in that in that series against the Astros? You know, there there looked to be a lot of things going wrong. The starting pitching was so obvious and that it was not, you know, going deep into the games. It wasn't succeeding this rotation that was so good throughout the season. And what did he say? He said, well, you know, if we would have hit more home runs, we probably would have been in a better spot. This team is built to hit the ball really far, and it has not done that this year. And that's why that they're – that they, they are only 56 and 56. And they're 56 and 56 because they didn't address any of those problems. Back in November, the issue was they weren't hitting home runs. They go out and add Josh Harrison. They go out and add a ton of bullpen arms, right? Larry That's Garcia, too. Larry Garcia. They, they extend Larry Garcia. Rick Hahn doesn't go out and get any power bats at the trade deadline. That, that is Rick Hahn's fault. And then also the managerial side, the coaching side. I want to go to the stat from Jeremy Frank. 705 of the White Sox' first 1,000 hits this year were singles. Most recent teams to finish a season with 70% of their hits being singles, the 2018 Marlins, the 2016 Marlins, the 2015 Marlins, the 2015 Braves. Tigers are also on pace to join that list. The 2018, 2016, and 2015 Marlins, all coached by Frank Minichino. The hitting coach was Frank Minichino. He was your hitting coach in 2020. He was your hitting coach in 2021. And you had an article back in May twenty or May twelfth, twenty twenty one, about the White Sox and their lack of home runs. They were twenty eighth in the home, uh, in in the league at May twelfth, twenty twenty one. At that point, and that is when Frank Minichino said, "Fuck the home run, let's hit three hundred. And since that day, they are twenty second in the major league since home run in home runs. The White Sox have a home run problem. They've had a home run problem for two years. The Front office won't diagnose and fix the problem. The managers won't diagnose and fix the problems. And it's really difficult, I think, for the players to all do it by themselves. It's a mess of an organization. Well, I think that you're right in saying that the blame deserves to be spread around to everybody, right? And certainly uh, Rick Hahn failing at the trade deadline is indisputed fact he he said it himself, he came out and yeah. said it himself right he's he did not get done anything that he wanted to get done other than trade for Jake Diekman um the thing that I would say is in November when you're looking at a team that did not hit according to its GM enough home runs in the playoff series against the Astros and you look around at Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada you're expecting home runs. We sat here on this set right. before the season started, and we're rattling off six to seven to eight players that we thought were all capable of hitting 20 home runs this year. It's very possible that none of them do. And that's, that's, not, that's not something that anybody was, 
thinking was even a remote possibility uh, at that time of the season. This is a team that had expectations for a reason. This is a team that had the individual. These are players that had those individual expectations for a reason. I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about Luis Robert as a preseason home run, uh, preseason MVP candidate, as, as uh, you know, talking about Yoan Moncada, Herb, is primed for a turnaround, talking about Aloy Jimenez. Talking about Aloy Jimenez as a guy who can hit 40 home runs right. this season. They have fallen on their faces in attempting to do those things. And I, I am not trying to shield anybody from any sort of blame because you're absolutely right. The buck stops at the manager's desk. When the team can't hit, you should be looking at the hitting coach. When the team uh, has has a severe uh, shortfall that was failed to be addressed at the at the time that you can address it, that's on the front office, no doubt about it. Right. But these are players who have shown that they can succeed at hitting and hitting for power in the major leagues, and they have woefully underperformed at doing so this year. And I think part of the reasoning is messaging. I want to go to another thing here, and this is from a Justin Verlander story about how he was staying ahead of the curve, how, you know, at 39, returning from Tommy John, how he's been able to stay in the game. Um, and it can, it goes on by saying, uh, with a less lively baseball in play this year in 2022, Verlander, speaking to ESPN in June, conspicuous, uh, conspicuously noted that this spring's ball uh, were tampering down opposite field homers for all but the most powerful sluggers. He was lamenting that the ball seemed to be loosening up with the weather, but that observation is telling. MLB hitters as a whole are slugging 531 on balls hit in the air to the middle or opposite fields in 2022, the worst results since 2014. Slugging on balls pulled in the air is also down but to 1202. The White Sox, and this was noted on the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast, since 2021 leads the major league in opposite field hits and hitting into that side of the field. So I just think that their complete organizational hitting philosophy is broken. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you can be at a point where you say, okay, we're not hitting home runs, but then adjust to what the atmosphere is. If you're out in Colorado, you know, understand the air is lighter. Put the ball in the air. You can change what your approach is. You don't have to keep on doing the same thing all the time. They went to, out to Colorado for two games and didn't hit a single home run. The next team came in and the Dodgers murdered home runs because they understood where they were. Same thing at Guaranteed Rate. It's one of the most friendly home run ballparks, and they're getting out home run at their own home ballpark by a lot. And they do not understand hey, you know what, yes, it's good to hit uh, and see the ball a little deeper. But what this offense needs, as Jose Abreu did early in the game, he changed his game from a guy who's a slugger to a guy who's walking. Now change your game back, host. We need you back. We need August Abreu back where he's hitting home runs. Same thing Aloy Jimenez. Hit the ball over the fence. We saw late in the game Andrew Vaughn hitting a home run. Yasmani Grandal hitting a home run. Maybe they got the point. Put ball in the air. Runs will score. Ball go far, team go far, as Rick Hahn and a bl- bunch of other people have said. But they haven't adjusted to that. And that's just them. That's on the players. Frank Manikino can get all the blame he wants, and he should get this because the four of his fucking offenses have 70% singles. But after a while, these are major league baseball hitters. And whatever Frank Manikino says, you got to bump that. I got to go up there and look for my pitch and drive it. These guys get paid to do such. And there's not going to be money in the pocket of Frank Minichino if Aloy Jimenez hits 50 home runs. He's not going to give him more money. No, it's all on you, Aloy. I'm going to look at you when you only hit 
10 home runs this year. Same thing with Jose Abreu. You hit under 20 home runs, I'm going to look at you and say you failed. Not Frank Minichino. Bump him. He don't really matter. It's you. It's the players. It's the nine who get, get on the sheet. What I would say, though, is, and Paul Canerco talked about this on Jason and Len's podcast, Sox Degrees, on what hitting coaches help you do. And you're trying to identify flaws in your swing, go through film room, and identify what's wrong. So them not listening to Frank Minichino is would be stupid advice because he's supposed to be helping them. What? What? Supposed to be. It, but but it's just the backward assness of the White Sox. Like the idea that you have to tune out the hitting coach, fire him, move on, get a new voice, get somebody who is actually with today's alignment of how baseball works. Hit the ball in the air, pull the ball, look for a fastball, drill it, and then also too, he said back in April they need to walk more. They haven't walked. Like, they're not listening to him. They're not listening to whatever they're being told. So something needs to change. Because even if it's if, even if it's changed and they still don't listen to him, like, you at least did something. You tried something. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, That's what happens when not, you, I don't even think it's, it's change for change's sake at this point. Like, it, it, you need to change it because it's not working. That's when people get fired. When you lose the locker room, you hear Major League Baseball managers get fired. He lost the locker room. If they're not listening to him or not performing what he's saying, then he needs to go. A new voice needs to be introduced, and maybe they can listen to him. And there might be a dead cat bounce where you just hit better because there's a new guy in there, and you know you like Frank Minichino, but and you saw that, okay, man, we got our one of our people that we actually like fired because of our lack of performance. You know what? We need to get our shit together. Let's focus a little bit better on getting these balls out of the ballpark. But I don't know what it takes, are, but something has to happen. Something different has to happen, and we know for the most part it won't until the end of the season, which it's over by then. And then we've wasted another year in our contention window, and then next year I don't feel a contention window. We're not close to the Yankees. We're not close to the, the Astros. You're just wasting this year where I think if they get in the playoffs, they have an ace. That you can, in a three-game series, having an ace gets you to that next game. And then maybe you can skip to that second game where Johnny Cueto gives you great performance. And maybe you get to the second round. And then you have that experience of advancing through the playoffs, which you haven't done since 2005. And you feel confident about that. And things, different things happen. And those guys perform to the back of their baseball cards. And anything can happen in the baseball playoffs, as we saw last year with the Atlanta Braves. Just get in the tournament. And anything can happen. But I don't feel now, three and a half games behind the Guardians who are playing better baseball, that they're even going to get close to the playoffs now. You got 50 more games to uh, turn the season around. And uh, just not sure. This was supposed to be the 19 easy games on the schedule. And, uh, yeah, not looking ga- great. I'm pretty sure they're 8-8 eight and eight in their, uh, their 16 games uh, against those teams that are uh, below 500. That's correct. Want to let you know the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two or three bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make $50 or more first-time deposit, you receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. Right now is a perfect time to take advantage of this offer. We got a brand-new shirt in the CHGO Locker. He did it again, 14 straight games with one earned run or less. Cy Cease continues to dominate and continue uh, his march towards uh, a Cy Young for the Chicago White Sox franchise. It would be the first since 1993 in Jack McDowell, right? 
I think so. That sounds right. So shout out to Sai Cease and Dylan Cease for continuing the great season. Make sure you support CHGO and make sure you support your White Sox by heading over to PointsBet using the code CHGO and signing up with the code CHGO. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life at PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner, I heard about him from Justin Fields. That's right. Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields. He told me about Owen. It personally? stands for uh, personally. Okay. I got a text from him. Us, you ran uh, into him on, on the streets of Avondale or whatever uh, uh, neighborhood you're living in these uh, days? Us, uh, us epileptics have a, that, that different little wavelength that we could connect <laughs> to each other. Uh, it's this Owen thing, and it's, it stands for only what you need. Uh, Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients. They're allergen-friendly. There's no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible. They have great flavors like chocolate, vanilla. I've tried the salted caramel and strawberry banana all four flavors are very very good they're all easily digestible and if justin fields is drinking it first round pick you know nfl quarterback has to be great for your body and owen and chgo partnered up to give you an awesome offer you can get 20 percent off your first purchase at liveowen.com that's l-i-v-e-o-w-y-n.com and with code chgo20 you can get 20 percent off your first purchase at liveowen.com join me and justin fields and try owen it's only what you need. We got one more super chat here from Jason. Is Andrelton Simmons possible at shortstop? He can't be worse than Sosa at hitting, and he gives us elite defense. He can absolutely <laughs> be worse than Lenin Sosa at hitting. Lenin Sosa has had 20 plate appearances this year. Jason, I love you. Thank you for the super chat. Andrelton Simmons, get that guy away from the White Sox. He's terrible. That's the last thing I need. That guy can't hit, and yeah, he could play elite defense, but... I haven't seen anything wrong with Lenin Sosa's defense I mean, yet. I don't think you even need to defend Lenin Sosa. This is not really a question that's about Lenin Sosa. The answer is about Andrelton Simmons. I think he had – he just played for the Cubs for however long and got like games. two hits or something, right? He had 13 Eight. hits. Oh, yeah. yeah, 13 hits. Yeah, that's not a lot. It's not good. His his offense is, is not good. In the, OPS plus of 23. Yeah. In, in the past 195 games, an OPS plus of 60, he has three home runs. Give Lenin Sosa a shot. There's a reason why Andrelton Simmons have been on – what, five teams in his career? Right. It's the reason, and it's not because he's a good hitter. It's, <laughs> it seems like he's not a great teammate either. I, yeah. I haven't Do, heard that. But he doesn't do the necessary things to, you know, to play, play games. To play in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Four thank teams. You, Jason, for the super chat. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about Dylan Cease. We mentioned Cy Cease and uh, Brian Jones saying Verlander's going to have too many more wins than Cease. Verlander will get the Cy. It's possible, but, hey, if he continues to go out there and have starts of one earned run or less, maybe Dylan can pull it off. Dylan goes six innings today, one earned run, three hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. I don't even need to talk about Zach Cranky's day. He was fine. Uh, but this is from Chris Kampka. Dylan Cease over his last six, uh, 14 starts, a .66 ERA in 82 innings. He's allowed 50 hits. 36 walks and 103 strikeouts. Opponents are hitting 172, 266, 252. What word or what way would you sum up these last 14 starts from Dylan Cease? Untouchable. I mean, the, the guy goes out there and doesn't give up runs. He, he sometimes gives up run, but he never gives up runs. And I mean, that's his job. His, you know, people, uh, people look, talk about the Cy Young race and try to parse out the stats and say there are strikeouts here, there are wins here, play for a winning team, play for a losing team. Guys, the pitcher's job is to not give up runs. Dylan Cease doesn't give up runs. You can't boil it down any simpler than that. He has been basically untouchable. Uh, 
phenomenal, phenomenal work from him. And the White Sox uh, ha- are going to have a guy who finishes very high in the Cy Young vote. He might not win it. Justin Verlander's been great, and that's fine. Uh, but Cy uh, Cease, as our T-shirt is calling him, has been fantastic. Also very interesting that Brian Jones, former Rolling Stones guitarist, <laughs> would come back from the dead and watch CHGO White Sox. But we're glad you're doing it, so thank you. Shout out to Brian Jones, <laughs> Sky Point. <laughs> Just wanted to comment on Dylan Cease. That's yep. good. That's how good Dylan Cease has been. Brian Jones is raised from the dead. He's an ace. That is Brian what Jones is. or Dylan Cease? Uh, both of them. Uh, he... He's an ace. Dylan Cease is an absolute ace. And I don't know if we would think that he would be the the White Sox ace and then an elite pitcher overall in Major League Baseball. I thought he was going to be good this year. I didn't think he was going to be this. And a Major League record that's continuing to go in 14 complete uh, games that he started where he's given up one or less earned runs is just filthy. I just can't just put my mind around that. That is... Like, he's placed different teams each time, and it's like, okay, you're getting zero, you're getting one, you're getting a zero, one, one, zero, zero. Like I said, he's functioning very well. Yeah, I mean, it's breakout. it has got that one. And in right out, breakout in all caps. I mean, the fact that he just continues to do this is just so impressive. It just shows you how far that slider has come. The fact that he has not been perfect with his fastball and that command, but he's just been good enough with that fastball command. 100 that, today. That slider's been that great. Yeah, he's hitting 100 on, on the Feeling fastball. Good. He's hitting 92 on the slider. Like, watch out. And I think some guys bring up some uh, you know good points in, in the comments about you know, the Verlander narrative. He's 39 years old. He's on one of the best teams in the American League, coming off Tommy John. He's got the wins. He's got a great ERA also. So he's probably got more of that narrative. But let's just look at Dylan, too, because it's not his fault he's getting all these losses. This is from Scott Bertram, who went through all these stats, and he said Dylan Cease has allowed uh, zero or one earned run in every start since May 29th, 14 starts. Uh, What's more surprising is he's only picked up the win in eight of those starts, eight of the 14, he's picked up the win. And after today, he picked up the loss in three of those games. So the White Sox in Dylan Cease's 14 starts where he has allowed zero or one earned run. He's eight and three. Eight and three. 83. Uh, just, just brutal. Just absolutely brutal. Uh, the fact that he can't, he's doing everything that a pitcher should do. And he just can't win the king. And while we crap on Frank Minichino and his offense, got to give credit to Dylan Cease for listening to him and then Ethan Katz for introducing him to the core velocity stuff, to getting him right every game. So he does give up one or zero runs each time he goes out there. He's putting Ethan Katz's plan to work for him every time he goes out there. So he turned him into a good prospect with a lot of potential to a top-of-the-line pitcher now. So kudos to him. If we're going to make changes, I 100% want Eaton Katz to come back as the only coach that deserves to come back that's earned his keep this year. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing that I've really looked out uh, from Ethan Katz's job that stands out as him doing a bad job. Um, Dylan Cease is really a true sign of what he can do with starting pitchers. Carlos Rodon is a true sign of what he can do for starting pitchers. Um, obviously, Lucas has had his own struggles, but it does feel like that's kind of Lucas's own struggles that he's working through. Um, it still feels like his his mechanics are on. It still feels like everything's there, but it feels like, you know, just doesn't have that same strength. And how about the lost cause that we usually thought of 
Ronaldo Lopez. Right. He's turned him into a, I think, high-leverage relief pitcher. And if Joe Kelly's lightheadedness continues, I would love for Ronaldo Lopez to be the setup to the setup guy. So he's done a phenomenal job with the pitching staff. And even Johnny Cueto, who came in with the pedigree, Whatever Ethan Katz is doing with him, he's getting dubs. He's getting the team a chance to win. So I think Ethan Katz is the reason Johnny Cueto's here to begin with. Is well, yeah, heard. From, I mean, from, from, what, from yeah. what we've heard, their previous relationship kind of uh, got the ball rolling on on getting Johnny Cueto in a White Sox uniform this year. So even if you're not necessarily pointing to the work as a pitching coach. There's another uh, there's another plus that Ethan has brought to the pitch uh, to the pitching staff this year simply by knowing Cueto, having a relationship with Cueto, and getting him on the roster. Absolutely, and Cueto has been marvelous. Cease has been marvelous. Michael Kopech, for the most part, has been marvelous. I mean, he's moving from the bullpen to a starting role and still has an ERA under 3.50. You can't be too mad at that. So uh, Ethan Katz has done a fantastic, fantastic job. Uh, and again, it's not his fault. Jose Ruiz is on the roster. Uh, that, that might be Recon's fault. So you know, I, I think Ethan's done. A fantastic job with all the uh, the, the pitchers and the bullpen. Um, that's been great. Again, it's the offense's fault. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two or three bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And again, from the CHGO locker, got a brand-new shirt, celebrating size C's. If you want to get the merch to represent the 14 straight outings of zero or one earned run allowed, go and download the PointsBet app, use code CHGO, make a first-time deposit of $50 or more. And if you're watching the Field of Dreams tonight, you know. Don't. Don't, I guess. (laughs) Um, But you could also bet on the game, add some more excitement into it while watching the the, uh, Field of Dreams game. If you're going to bet on the game, just make sure you make a $50 or more first-time deposit using the code CHGO when you sign up with the PointsBet app. And again, if you missed it, you download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Game problem call 1-800-522-4700. I want to go to another tweet from Nash Walker here of Locked On Twins. He says 16 of the Twins' next 19 games are against teams currently below 500. 13 of those 19 games are at home. So if they can't take advantage of that stretch, they don't deserve October. Sounds exactly like what we just said about the White Sox 19-game stretch. And it's not good news because the Cleveland Guardians are on a five-game winning streak. The White Sox are three and a half games back in the AL Central, sitting at third place, 56-56. and Twins, 57-53, and one and a half games back of the first place. Guardians, who are 59 and 52 this division kind of changed pretty quickly in just a week i'm glad it's awesome just just put us out of our misery so we stop caring that this team could get the job done it's just so hard to watch this team from day to day because they have lifeless at bats they have at bats where we're calling it before the game we know what they're gonna do in these situations and i know they're trying and they're giving good effort but i don't know if they're having the good process to get the job done and the results of course are not there but I don't know what they do before the game I don't know what they study before the game because the the results in the field and the actual swings on the field the Aloy Jimenez uh, bat right there with the bases loaded Zach Greinke is not throwing you anything past 85 miles per hour 89 miles per hour he's out here flailing that outside curveballs that are a foot off the plate same thing with the uh with Yohan Moncada 
late on a cutter middle middle late 85 miles per hour right down middle what's what's the thought process there what is your thought process on a three two cutter middle middle why are you following that ball off late at least you should be early on him that's what i'm saying like they don't have a game plan for zach from grinky who throws curveball cutter fastball that's 85 it's nothing special. Other teams in the league have seen Zach Grinke and have done well. The White Sox, through three games this year where he started, have done very little to nothing for Zach Grinke. Yeah, if there was only like 20 years of video on Zach Grinke and Zach Grinke starts and what he's been doing since 2004, it would be nice to uh, be able to break him down and figure out the Zach Grinke stuff. And you even mentioned it too. Like, Gavin Sheets ends up coming through with a single. I don't think the White Sox end up scoring. No. Uh, but I think we have the the screenshot here, Stephen. And he comes in uh, facing uh, Wyatt Mills, uh, the best mall out in the Kansas City area. <laughs> and you can see on the screen right there, Oh, that's good. Sinker. I think I stole that from Jim Markulis, so I'm not even going to take it like I'm that witty. Uh, sinker, forcing fastball, forcing fastball, forcing fastball, forcing fastball, sinker. And I'm watching this at bat, and it's like, how do you not realize what he's doing? He's only throwing you fastballs on the outside edge of the plate. And finally, Gavin hits one to the left side, clearly what he was trying to do, but he only slaps it 85 miles per hour. It's like... How do you not see this is what Wyatt Mills is trying to do to you? How do you not square up that ball and drive it into left field? Like, even the, even when they have the right idea, they're not doing it with emphasis. They're not doing it with confidence. They're not doing it with power. Like, the left side of the infield was completely open. If you hit a ball that's like 100 miles per hour, you probably have a double. You're standing on second base, and maybe this game is different. And like, we, and, and Yasmani Grandal, sorry, uh, Cuerva, whoever's up, he throws him a slider. Next pitch is a slider. Grandal hits it 102 miles per hour, hits it into the right field bleachers. Like, he had confidence. He saw that pitch. He didn't let him get doubled up again. And Gavin Sheets honestly kind of got doubled up there because the White Sox don't end up scoring in that position because he can't hit the ball farther and can't put more uh, an emphatic swing on, on that ball. There's so many at-bats there where you can just look at and be like, the White Sox failed, the White Sox failed, the White Sox failed. They had uh, the inning where there was no outs, bases loaded, strikeout, strikeout, and then a, a pop fly, inning over, threat ended. And how they got there was they have Sebi Zavala at second base, they have Luis Robert at first, and Andrew Vaughn up. Andrew Vaughn hits a light ball that goes in the middle of right field towards the line. Sebi Zavala's at second base, thinking this ball's going to get caught. One of the things you're taught as a little leaguer is check your outfielders, see where they are. Understand where how hard Andrew hit that ball and that that ball's not going to get caught. Now, Sebi doesn't have premium speed, so we more than likely not he's not going to score in that. But those are the little things where you got to understand baseball, you got to understand time situation and where the play, where the outfielders are and get a good jump right there. Luis Roberts like right behind him because he understands that uh, Eaton's not going to catch that ball in right field and maybe I'm going to third because I got some speed. If Sebi Savala's paying attention, maybe he can go home on that one if he gets a good jump. It's just the little things. Last night, Jose Abreu's at third. He slips where the guy thinks it is three outs, and he starts running in. MJ Melendez thinks it's three outs, starts running in. Jose Abreu slips on third. No run scores right there. It's those little things right there that are costing White Sox. We're supposed to be slugging home runs. They're not. So adjust to what you are really doing and play to that game that you're doing and get more runs via – Little ball, well, Aussie ball. 
<laughs> as it were. Bring them back. Uh, I like this question from Earth Space. I think it brings it back to the uh, conversation we started having at the beginning of the show. Uh, brings us back full circle, and we can end it here. Uh, is it possible that it's just a bad year, and having a similar core next year could be vastly improved by simply the law of averages? Uh, yes. Vinny, all right, well, I'll, yes. I'll start with you, I'll Vinny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I, to be quite honest with you, it would have to be. You know what I mean? It would have to be. Because this... We've, what we've seen all year is not, I don't think, what this roster looks like over the long haul, right? I disagree. It's what they've looked like this year, undoubtedly, because we have the data to show that it is at the moment. But, but I, think, I think that you can look from even 2021, that there's enough from the 2021 season and 2022 season that this is an organizational-wide problem, at least with the major league hitting staff and, and players. I mean, I, I don't understand why they're pushing this many balls to the opposite field, and I don't understand why they're not able to hit for more power. I think so right, it has to be a, a coaching thing. Right now, you think that this roster is not capable of being vastly better than it is. Yes, but things need to change, which was Herb, Herb was saying. So I think, I think no. bringing back to the conversation, like, I, I don't, if, they, if they make it close at the end of the year, and let's say the averages already you know, average themselves out a little bit um, in the last 50 games, and the White Sox have a, a vastly better 50 games, and they win the AL Central. I don't think anything changes. I don't think anything happens. I think you get a very similar core from this year, next year, and they run it back. And I think that would be a mistake because I think there's a lot of organizational issues with the way they coach baseball. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Vinny. And I actually probably agree a little bit more with you that, yes, these guys coming back next year could be the guys that we expected to show up this year. It could just be a bad year where all of them are affected. I said early, this team is a snake-bitten team via injuries, via bad hitting, bad execution. Some of this is on themselves. But, yeah, they could bring this team back next year, and they can have perfect health like they had in 2005 and years before where they're just clicking on all cylinders. I would not like that because, like you say, something has to fundamentally change about this team because you don't want to leave that up to chance. You don't want to say, okay, we're going to run it back again. Maybe they'll be the guys that, that hit a bunch of home runs and, and like cross your fingers for that. You don't want to have luck to be the, the determining factor. You want to have some things that, uh, like some fail-safes. You know this team is oft injured. So have some depth. Have some more people in the lineup. So, yes, I would love to trade a couple of these pieces off this team so you can get more depth on the team and a well more well-rounded team some more up the middle uh defenders like more shortstops more second basemen more center fielders where you can move them around the the base pass and they're actually good at fielding unlike andrew vaughn for multiple times letting balls drop right in front of him not andrew vaughn's fault he's a first baseman but it's the white Sox's fault for having andrew vaughn out there for having terrible jumps right and then not attacking the ball where there's two outs all these things come to the forefront because you're not scoring runs and now you don't have people who are catching the ball when they should be caught I don't even know what that uh, Michael Taylor fly ball was and they expected batting average but it couldn't be anything past 300 the uh, Adam or uh, whatever is eaten in right field for the Royals was catching everything because he's an actual right fielder we have a bunch of people playing right field who don't deserve to play right field and they're not good at it and you've seen over 1200 innings of Andrew Vaughn playing in the outfield it's been 1,200 innings of bad defense. I think that, and Space Earth said more of the, the players rather than the coaching staff, I think that something would need to happen with that. And I think that you look at the core six like we were talking about, I think Tim Anderson is the most tradable. I, I think that 
you look at his contract, it's probably very tempting to teams if they're going to go go out and sign a Xander Bogarts or if they're going to go out and sign a, a Carlos Correa or something. Tim Anderson's much cheaper, and, and the White Sox could get a decent haul for Tim Anderson. I, I think that the, the coaching staff needs to change, but I also think that clearly Andrew Vaughn can't be out in the outfield. So you either need to move him off the team or you need to make him a first base DH type with Jose Abreu. I, I think that some changes need to happen to the core, and it just feels like changes won't happen with Grandal, Mancada, Abreu. So you're really asking, is it Robert, Jimenez, or Anderson in my mind? I, I mean, again, I don't think they're going to take anything off the table. I think it would be ludicrous of them to trade Tim Anderson. I think it would be absolutely well, insane. Right. I, I, I would too, but if, if, if something needs to change, like he is, he's the most valuable like, I mean, it, it, I think it would make... I don't think there's a chance in hell they trade Tim Anderson. I don't think there's a chance in hell they trade Luis Robert. Um, so it's Aloy. There are other... I, I think you could probably... I, and then I would just say, I don't think you could take anything else off the table. Um, but, I mean, Luis Robert is a guy that they've been touting as the next great baseball star for a few years now. We see the tools. Obviously, he's not hitting that well or as well as we thought he'd be this year. But um, Tim Anderson is the, the uh, you know, he is the uh, the core of this team from a intangible standpoint. And I think Robert, they think, could very well end up being the core of this team from a tangible standpoint. Uh, I don't think those two guys would go be going anywhere. And with Tim Anderson, I kind of agree with you with the he would not be traded or it's ludicrous to trade him. I just think it's because he's more valuable to the White Sox than he is to other teams, just like Jose Abreu. You wouldn't get fair value for Tim Anderson. Now, is he untradeable for me? No, hell no. Nobody on this team is untradeable, including Dylan Cease, including all these guys. What are you doing with Dylan Cease? You're just wasting his years. Like, yes, I would more likely than that, 99%, love to keep Dylan Cease on the White Sox. But they have what? Tim Anderson performing at a high level as the all-star starting shortstop. They have Dylan Cease performing at the top of his level. Jose Abreu's kind of he's not hitting the ball as well. But all the rest of the people that you want to trade, Yoan Mankata's not going anywhere. Yasmani's not going anywhere. Aloy's not going anywhere. Those guys are all at either the lowest point of their career or middling parts of their career. So what are you really getting back from them? So you have to look at those three guys who are performing at the top of their careers like, you know what? To get this team better next year, we might have to have some pain in us in trade away, Timmy, even though I don't think that you would get fair value back from Timmy because he means so much to the South Side, well, means so much to the White Sox that, you know, you would be like, oh, God, we only got this player, that player, and that player doesn't do anything in the community. That player doesn't uh, ingratiate himself to what the South Side is all about. No, I don't feel that. That's not, my, that's not a good player that we got. It'll, I think if Tim Anderson's traded, White Sox fans would be – Furious, no matter what the return was. Yeah, at, at this point, though, what? why are White Sox fans mad? Because the window isn't working. The White Sox aren't taking advantage of the window. If the window is still open, I am fine with any move to keep that window open. And if that means trading Tim Anderson, allowing space for Colson Montgomery, and I think that Tim would still bring in enough value because he is going to be contractually valuable because he signed a very, very low price deal for the player that he is. So I, I think that he brings value to teams just in controllability and the, the low the low contract or salary that he has. But 
I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what the White Sox do. We'll see what they do over the next 50 games, and we hope you join us here on the CHGO White Sox podcast uh, to follow what happens in the last 50 games. Uh, I will be shaving my head or bleaching it blonde or something. Do you'll, one of the two. You'll see on Sunday. It's up to you. So I uh, might just pre-do it because I'm not getting to the first place <laughs> for the 22nd. I did tell uh, the girlfriend that I was going to do the facial hair, and she said that's a bad idea that it might be irreversible or I oh. might cause skin damage. That so, sounds bad. So yeah, don't so do that. You know what? Then maybe check that. with your doctor before doing that. Well, I, I think we'll just do the head. Okay. I think we'll just do there the head. Go. So uh, join us on Sunday where I will shave my head and have it be blonde. You want to do both? Yeah, why not? Hmm. You're just going to have a blonde buzz? That doesn't. That's not really an effective use of the blonde. Should I keep it long? Yeah. You either keep it long and go blonde or buzz it. It can't be both. All right. See me on Sunday when I have a new haircut. Uh, We will talk to you then. We'll see if the White Sox are above, below, or stay at 500. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. And Joe R. wants me to have AJ Przinsky uh, to give me some highlights. So I will go find AJ, and I will go get some highlights from the old catcher. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And just a reminder from Clark, Cascade Day is almost here. Enjoy your Fridays, everybody. 30 minutes after the game tomorrow, there will be a post-game Cascade concert. Enjoy, White Sox fans. Go Sox.